0: The first reading is from Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 to 10. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And the second reading is from Hebrews eleven verses one to four. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of What was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Linda. Uh, Morning, everyone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that all glory is Christ our King, and uh, we pray that uh, now as we hear you speak to us, we just heard your word, please work amongst us by your Spirit so that we may recognize even more fully his kingship, love him even more deeply, and seek to serve him more fully in our lives, for we ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. About seven years I spoke about this guy, so some of you may remember it, but I spoke about a fellow called Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was a uh, British triple jumper who won a gold medal in the 2002 Commonwealth Games in Manchester. He also won a gold medal in the Olympic Games of 2000 in Sydney. In fact, I'm 99% confident he still holds the world record for the triple jump at nearly 18.5 metres. It's 1849 So nearly 18 and a half. Have a think about how long that is. He's retired now, but he was a superb athlete. He was also a Christian, and he was a very well-known Christian because a little bit like Eric Liddell, who many of you will know about through Chariots of Fire and uh, one Michael Jones, who used to play um, rugby, Jonathan Edwards didn't compete on Sundays for much of his career. For much of his career, he would not take part in meets where they were on Sundays, although he changed that in 1993. And as often happens with famous, successful Christians, he was an encouragement for many believers. We are encouraged, aren't we? When we hear of people that are well known around the world that we find out are Christians and who follow Jesus and speak about their faith. And it gives us um, encouragement, whether they're sports people or musicians or politicians or entertainers or those kind of things. But it looks as if Jonathan Edwards has lost his faith. There were rumors of it a while, for a while, the last couple of years of his um, active athletic kind of endeavors, and he refused to talk about it, but then in an interview in 2007 after he'd retired, he admitted he'd lost his faith and he spoke about it. Now, I don't know where uh, Jonathan Edwards stands with God today. I pray that he's come through that hard time and is trusting in the Lord Jesus again. Uh, But sadly, as of yet, I don't know uh, any news about that. What I do know is that what happened to Jonathan Edwards happens to Christians at different times down through the years. What I do know is that you don't have to be a Christian for too long to feel the pressure of continuing to follow Jesus or to throw it all away because it's got tough. Or the extreme sadness of knowing others who've known the Lord, gone to church, called Jesus Saviour, and then walked away. Faith in Jesus is hard. The life of faith for a Christian is hard. I read a quote from John Piper once where he said, We don't realise how vulnerable and perilous is the life of faith. That's true. The Christian life of faith is hard. That's why John Bunyan, when he uh, wrote his uh, Christian classic, Pilgrim's Progress, spoke about the trip between the city of destruction and the celestial city full of pitfalls and traps and dead ends and dangers. That's true not just for Bunyan's kind of made-up world in Pilgrim's Progress, but in the real life that you and I live. When you're going well in the Christian life, things can seem great, and we forget that they can change at any moment, and things can skew off in different directions. But the world is filled with many people, some known to us today, who've given up and walked away. And that shakes our own faith and pains us. And I know that as I speak about these things, there'll be some of you here this morning who may well be going through that yourself right now, feeling like it's all too much hard work, that following Jesus has not really done anything, I'm feeling about giving it all away. Or some of you will be thinking of specific people you know of right now, which causes you deep pain. Your, some of, One of your children, or your parents, or your husband, or your wife, or, or a close friend who used to follow the Lord, but now doesn't. The life of faith is hard, which is why we're doing this three-week series on faith. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews, this great chapter in the scriptures on faith. And instead of looking at the whole chapter, we're just looking at the first six verses. And uh, last week, if you were with us, we started it. Uh, We started uh, um, uh, looking at faith generally from Hebrews 11, verses 1 to 6, with a title I I, I called, Because i Got to Have Faith, Faith, Faith. I think I might have ripped that off from someone else, but that's what we did. And then this week and next week, we're looking at the example of two Old Testament characters of faith. This week, we're looking at Abel and seeing that we need a faith that works right. And then next week we're looking at Enoch and seeing that we need a faith that walks right. And this is good to do because at times the Christian life is hugely difficult. At times you and I will face the temptation to chuck it all in. And sometimes that may seem overpowering. The difficulties of life can cause us to stumble. The doubts of life can cause us to waver. Life itself can cause us to drift. And faith can be hard to maintain. So it's good for us to think about faith. And so today we're looking at Abel in particular. And our verse, Alex, you're going to have to keep up today because we've got two different readings, so we'll pay you double today, Alex. Uh, so our ver- if you have a look at Hebrews 11 verse 4, it tells us that by faith, Abel sp- still speaks today, although he's dead. Today, in a real sense, Abel's voice from the grave will speak to us about faith. And so to hear his voice, we need to look at the incident between him and his brother Cain in detail so that we can understand why Hebrews picks up Abel and holds him up as an example of faith. And one of the things which stands out almost straight away, if we can go to the Genesis reading, Alex, is that when you read through Genesis 4 that Linda just read to us, I I think I'm right in saying the word faith doesn't come up anywhere. So although Abel is held up as a man of faith, and it's his faith that seems essential, when you're reading through Genesis 4 in the story, the word faith doesn't come up. Now, many of you will be familiar with the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and his younger brother Abel are the sons of Adam and Eve. So Adam and Eve, the first created human beings by God, and now they've got Cain and Abel. Those two brothers have different careers, So Abel, we're told, kept flocks, probably sheep, and Cain is into agriculture. He's working the soil. And in verses 3 to 4, we're told that at some point, they each brought an offering to the Lord. And the men brought offerings from their respective workplaces. So Cain brings fruit from the soil because he works with agriculture. Abel brings meat from the flock because he works with animals. But then we run into problems. Read halfway through verse 4. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he didn't look with favor. And so Cain was very angry and his face downcast. God is positive towards Abel's offering, but not to Cain's. And this has caused people some worry and concern over the years because there's no instructions from God on the offerings that we read in Genesis. There's no, oh, well, Abel did it right and Cain did it wrong. We we don't get that sense. And so he says no to Cain's, yes to Abel's. Why the different response? Why is Abel all right but not Cain? After all, at least Cain had something. It's not like he came with nothing. It's not like he was empty-handed. What was wrong with Cain's offering? Was it just that God preferred Abel? People worry about that, genuinely, that God plays favorites. I like him, but not you. But look at God's words in verses 6 to 7. God says to Cain afterwards, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Do You notice that? In other words, it's not an isu- it's, a, it's an issue of doing the right thing or the wrong thing. It's not an issue of playing favorites. It's not just like he he liked Abel's hairstyle or personality more. Abel has apparently done the right thing. Cain has done the wrong thing. But how? This is the place where I normally make a vegetarian joke, but I'm not going to this week. I'm going to be controlled. I spoke badly of them last week, and being married to a vegetarian means you only get a certain quota of jokes that you can do uh, to people with that particular disability. But (laughs) But some people do think that that's what's going on here. They do think that it's the animal that's better. And they think it not because of the vegetarian issue, but because when you go further along in the book of Genesis, you will see the sacrificial system come in, which is about animals. And so they go, well, ah, oh, well, Abel's done animals, which is going to be the sacrificial system. Cain did uh, kind of uh, vegetables. That's not it. But I, I don't think that's what's happening here. Later on, when the sacrificial system comes in, there's also what, grain offerings, which are not animal. I don't think it's that. Plus, look halfway through verse 4 again and notice what it says. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he didn't look with favor. Notice it's not just the offering. He looked on Abel and his offering, Cain and his offering. It's not as if animal was the right offering and vegetable was the wrong. It's not just the offering. So what's going on here? Well, people have different theories, and but let me tell you my thoughts. I think we get a clue what's really going on here with the specific words used of the two offerings. Have a look at verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Do you see the difference? Abel gives what? Not just animal, he gives the absolute best of what he's got. Now that may not translate easily today because a lot of us have bought into the wisdom of the world where we think fat is always bad. No, fat's awesome. Fat portions are the cream of the crop. It's top shelf stuff. And the firstborn is the most significant and important. So Abel has given the fat portions of the firstborn. You could not give anything more important. It's sacrificial what Abel's done. He's, sh- he's showing his priorities and his actions. Cain gives some of the fruit. Do you see the difference? Abel gives fat portions from the firstborn of his flock. Cain gives some of the fruit. Now, there's two things to notice here. You might think, oh, well, then it's about giving the most expensive or it's about giving the, uh, uh, the most valuable not according to Hebrews chapter 4. Can we just put Hebrews chapter 4 on, Alex? Sorry, I told you you are working overtime here. Hebrews chapter 4, 11 verse 4 says, By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Notice? So it's, by fa- it's not actually the just the thing in and of itself. It's the faith that motivated it. But once faith was operating, Abel gave the best of what he had. So it's not just that it was the most valuable, it's that faith prompted him to give the best. Cain, without faith, just gives something. So the problem's not so much what they give, it's their attitude in giving. Do you see that? In other words, it's not what was in their hands that was the problem, it was actually what was in their hearts that was the problem. It wasn't a problem of substance, it was a problem of spirit. By faith, Abel offered God a better offering than Cain did. It was the attitude behind the actions, not just the actions themselves. Not just work, faith that works, but right work. And as soon as we see that, it opens up a whole raft of challenges for us today as Christians who want to live in a way that brings glory to God. It's too easy for people today, even Christians, to slip into thinking that just outward action is what God's interested in. Doing the right thing, whether it's attendance at church or taking communion or giving in the plate or, 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 or doing practical things like that. They're all good things which can mean absolutely nothing if our hearts are far from God. It's the same issue that Jesus confronted the religious leaders with in Mark chapter 7, if you remember. Do you remember Jesus, when he was speaking with them in chapter 7, he quoted Isaiah and he said, These people honour me with their lips... So outwardly it looks good. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And then he sums it up by saying, therefore they worship me in vain. Now think about that. That's a huge indictment that Jesus puts here. And he's saying it of people who said the right things and did the right things, the Pharisees. The Pharisees probably left most of us in the dust in terms of personal holiness. But Jesus said their hearts were far from the Lord, and therefore they would worship him in vain. Jesus says, saying the right things, doing the right things, can still be worshipping the Lord in vain if our hearts are far from him. That was Cain. We should be challenged by Cain here because he believed in God. He spoke to God in these verses. And he did something in response to God. He brought some of the, 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 uh, the fruit from the fields. He would have looked outwardly like a a devout person of God. He made an offering. Today, I think the equivalent would be an active church member uh, who's involved in the local church and gives on, on the envelope system or the direct credit system. Outwardly, things look good, but the reality is internally. It's just going through the motions. You've got things in your hands, but your heart is unchanged. And friends, it can't be like that. Where's your heart? Where's my heart? Do your actions flow out of God's love for you and your faith in him? Is it faith and trust in God that stands at the center of your Christian life and motivates your actions? Because sometimes it can be guilt or fear or looking good to others. Or Is it faith that is motivating our actions? If it is, we will give give of our best like Abel. And we will give of our best rather than just giving the leftovers. That's the principle of first fruits that um, Abel exhibits here and I think is such a good example to us. When we're thinking about using our money or our time or our talents, do we, do we give the Lord the best or do we give him what's left over? I said this a couple of weeks ago when we were speaking about uh, Commitment Sunday, but sometimes with money... Do we set aside an amount of money for the Lord first, first and foremost, because we know that everything comes from him, and then we fit everything else around it, mortgage, rent, shopping, treats, or do we spend on ourselves first and then give God whatever's left over, if there is anything left over? The faith of Abel can challenge us here. It's the same with time. We control our diaries. Do we block in the times in our in the week where we're going to do our Christian walk, where we're going to church to be encouraged by others and encourage others to uh, to witness, to uh, pray, to or do we? And then we fit everything else around that. Or do instead does our jobs come first, and then gym, and then TV, and then we fit God and everywhere else in the leftovers? Do you see the difference of prioritising? Sometimes, if you're like me, God gets what, what's left over instead of the fat portions of the firstborn. Everything we have is of God's, and we should be delighted to use what we have for him. But sometimes it's bare minimum, or leftovers, or it's grudging, or mechanic. Just doing it isn't the issue. It's where our heart is, what's motivating it. Don't be cane. <clears throat> Same with uh, talents. How do we use the gifts that God's given us? Just for our own advancement or for his glory and the good of other people? Cain is a tragic figure in this passage. And he goes from bad to worse because it's not just that he does the wrong thing here. He carries on doing the wrong thing. Look at his reaction when God speaks to him. God graciously warns Cain that he's done the wrong thing. But look how he he responds. Verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you don't do what's right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. You must master it. It's a pivotal moment in the story here. Because Cain, even though he's done the wrong thing up to here, this is where he could change. This is where he could go, I have done the wrong thing. I'll turn back to the Lord and live the life of faith. God has graciously warned him, sin's crouching at the door. But what does he do? Tragically, verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. It looks very much like premeditated murder. Cain kills his brother In fact, the New Testament actually makes a bit clearer what's going on in in Cain's head and heart at this point, because in 1 John chapter 3 it says, Don't be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Cain sees his brother do the right thing and it eats him up. He's warned by God graciously, but he goes his own way. Cain's mum, Eve, was talked into sin by the serpent. Cain won't be talked out of sin, even by God the creator. It's tragic. The difference between Cain and Abel was faith. Abel trusted God, loved the Lord, and acted in light of that. Cain, although he knew God was true, didn't trust him. His heart was far from him. As Hebrews 11.4 says, By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. By faith, Abel was commended as a righteous man. By faith, he still speaks, even though he's dead. And so as I draw to a close this morning, I want to make sure we take warning from Cain and follow the example of Abel. If you're finding the Christian walk a struggle, and like I said at the beginning, we all can and we all do, let Cain be a warning to us. The book of Jude in the New Testament says, Woe to them, they've taken the way of Cain. Let's not allow that to be true of us. And I don't think this is just referring to Cain's original mistake in the offering. It was his continued refusal to to, to live the life of faith. The Lord had warned him. And so if that's you today, you're feeling low in your faith, then it, it could be that sin's crouching at your door. If, you, if you're feeling you felt the Lord down in different ways, and you you feel like responding by giving up, by getting angry or downcast, don't. That's what Cain did. It's the same thing as people on a a diet. You know, when they're on a diet and they have one bad slip up, and then they go, "Well, well that's it. I'm a, I'm off," and they give up on everything. No, don't give up on everything. Get back to it. Keep going. The life of faith has ups and downs, but don't don't walk away. That's what we tend to do. That's what Cain did. A kind of, oh, well, I've mucked it up here. Well, I'll go full bore into that. Full bore into sin. Isolating yourself from other Christians. Don't do that as a Christian. When you know you're low in your faith and you feel like you're struggling and you feel like you've let the Lord down, just put your hand up and say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. And I turn back to you and I follow you more wholeheartedly and thank you for the forgiveness that's mine. And keep living the life of faith. It's never too late. Never, to, never feel like you're at the point where, well, I can't do anything anymore. We can. We can turn back to the Lord. In fact, a quick word to any here this morning who are feeling so stale or low or lost in your faith. Remember, it's never too late to make a change. Make the decision today, this morning, to put it into practice. To put Jesus back at number one in your life. To put living for him back to number one in your life. Cain didn't. You do it. And how do you put God... It may mean that you've got to get to know him better again. It may mean you've got to stop doing certain things in your life. It may mean you've got to invest in, in other relationships a bit differently. Or, but, but put him back number one. I still remember as a, a 21 or 22-year-old myself, realising that although I'd become a Christian, and I said Jesus was number one in my life, he wasn't. I didn't know him well enough, and therefore I didn't know how to live for him. And so I then had to make some changes... And like any relationship it took an investment of time and effort. It put me it put time and effort putting him number one. It took time and effort prioritising him, foregoing some other things, elevating Jesus. So that so I ask you this morning, does your life show that your faith in Jesus is first? If it doesn't, make some changes. You can, it's never too late. It may mean changing some other things in your life. It may mean changing the way you relate to some of the people that you're responsible for. You may have neglected your duty as a Christian husband or wife or parent or friend. And you think, well, it's too late now. No, it's not. You 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 can change as you follow the Lord. Let it flow out in your life. Jonathan Edwards could turn back to the Lord. I pray that he does. So can you. Don't put it off. Don't think, well, I'll do that another day because you never know what the next day holds. Do it today. Do it after the service. Have a chat to James or I or someone after the service. Make the changes you need to. Take warning from Cain. But also take example from Abel because he had a wonderful faith and it was his faith that then produced what he did. He gave his best to the Lord because of his faith. He trusted in God and he lived his life in the light of it. And so today, can I encourage the rest of us, carry on living for the Lord. Carry on following him, uh, living for him, making decisions on him. And don't be fooled, because I've talked this morning about it needing to be from the heart, thinking, oh, well, because I've asked where your heart is, oh, then it must always involve a joyful, loving, oh, what a wonderful feeling kind of... N- no, Just like with marriage you don't always have that feeling but you live in the light of the the relationship you've got it's just as much a decision of the will it's just as much a determined resolution i know who god is and what he's done for me therefore i will live this way sometimes the feelings will go with it which is a great kind of moment sometimes the feelings won't but live your faith out we want people to be people that give the lord the fat portions of the firstborn but it's got to it's got to come out of our faith in the lord first and foremost i pray that he would help us live the life of faith that abel did let me pray father i thank you for the opportunity this morning to look at cain and abel cain is such a tragic figure i pray lord that we would take heed from what he did and lord that we would take encouragement from abel Lord, we thank you for the Lord Jesus, the one who is king and has glory. And we pray that our trust for him would come out in the way we live our lives. And may none of us think it's ever too late to change. We thank you that we can turn towards you and and live out our faith day to day. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.